This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Boland Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets. And there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolin Branch is offering their best deals of the year. And you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to BolinBranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com today. See site for details. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of April the 2nd. I'm your host, William Liu. Dark times have fallen over um, the Raptors for the first time all season. Uh, not a coincidence that uh, the Raptors are wilting a little bit in April. Uh, and uh, here to talk me off the ledge, basically, is uh, Vivek. Vivek, please. Please tell me things are going to be okay. That Celtics loss has me very shook. Uh, things will be okay I, w- I would say for at least the first round. Okay. And then we'll see. Okay. Um, and then, then yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Um, let's just let, let's just start with that that uh, that Celtics game. I mean, look, I'm mostly just playing it up. I think the Raptors had flaws. Um, obviously a very strong team, but they have some flaws, and I think that those flaws are sort of illustrated. And I think you know that's a learning experience for the Raptors. I feel like that's ultimately how I feel about it. But I think just emotionally going into the game. Um, it was a scenario where it was kind of a no-win scenario for the Raptors. If the Raptors lost, which they did, there was going to be a ton of banter. And if the Raptors had won that game, people would have just pointed to, well, the Celtics had all these injuries. So it was like a no-win situation going into the game. Having said that, I would have very much liked for the Raptors to have taken that game because, um, you know, you take out, you, you, we've taken the uh, pack schedule excuse off the table. Um, you know, they had three days of rest going into it. They had some solid practices. And you just figured that the Raptors would be able to take care of business uh, in a game which, you know, they clearly won. They clearly wanted. It wasn't like they didn't try or anything like that. It wasn't like they were unfocused. Um, and the Raptors just couldn't get the result. And uh, we saw a lot of the weaknesses exploited. I mean, Vivek, just watch, just before we go into, like, the X's and O's and stuff, like, emotionally, how did you feel heading into that game and then after the game? Before the game, I was hyped for it because I was like, this is a chance to essentially lock up the one seed because mm-hmm. you win this one, you go up four games. You, you can probably say you're going to take the tiebreaker with the game coming back home, um, and you get a chance to make a statement. Because I was looking at it as you know, look at where the Raptors were. Uh, was it November 12th when they lost in Boston? And with the way that game ended down the stretch, and this was a chance to make a statement on the road in Boston and show you know this is 
our identity now, the way we play. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Raptors, you know, they were sort of in and out of it, couldn't make shots. Aaron Baines comes out and Yo, he's making threes. Which Aaron is... Baines, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, really, was, Aaron Baines? Yeah. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> so as soon as that happened, you're like, oh, it's going to be this type of game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... Um, but they were still encouraging signs. You know, DeMar started out really well. You know, I, I, I feel really positive when, you know, he's mixing in the playmaking mm-hmm. with the scoring and sort of gets everyone else going. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Raptors, I think they made four out of their first six threes, so you wouldn't have right. envisioned them sort of completely falling off the map the way they did from out from the outside anyway. And, you know, you look at the way JV started the game. You look at the way Ibaka started the game as well. You know, it looked like the rest was all they needed to really get back in gear. Um, but the Celtics, they've got a toughness about them. They've got a physicality about them. Mm-hmm. And throughout the game, you know, I think, you know, whether it was the second quarter or even the third, there were moments where it looked like the Raptors were sort of taking over the reins and mm-hmm. pulling away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the Celtics would ramp it up and the Raptors uh, didn't weren't able to match that intensity. Um, that's a little bit concerning for me um, as we head down the stretch because you. It, this is a thing where we've talked multiple times about you know you're not going to be able to just flip this defensive switch where you need to sort of have that mentality and Celtics do, do have that. You see that regardless of the bodies that go down for them, they have an identity on the defensive end of the floor. Um, now the flip side, you can say, hey, the Raptors aren't going to shoot eight for thirty-five from three every night. CJ Miles isn't going to have the worst game of his life, bro. No, 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 uh-huh. not just of his life. I, I, in retrospect, <laughs> I think CJ Miles had the worst game played by any basketball player I've seen. Like, um, <laughs> and, and that's not the pile on CJ. CJ just had a very solid season for the Raptors. Had a lot of big moments um, that swung games, especially in March. But when we're talking about <laughs> Zero of six shooting, five fouls, four turnovers, a technical foul, just horrendous defense where his opponent or his, uh, his matchup, uh, Marcus Morris comes off the bench for 25 points, shooting 11 free throws. Most of that was because, you know, CJ couldn't guard him in 20 minutes. In just 20 minutes, that uh, CJ might have played one of the worst games ever by anybody, not just CJ. But just keep going. I just I could not believe what I was seeing with CJ. It was it was kind of funny actually. Yeah, and so I think uh, if we're talking big picture, um, in terms of what's discouraging about this game, I would say it would be the lack of physicality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think when you look at other games that have been like this, you think about the games that they've played against Miami, uh, the previous game in Boston, mm-hmm. uh, and you know you have to wonder if. You know, this is a struggle for a team to play this type of grinded out game with the way they've changed their identity. Um, you know, I think of, if you think of championship teams before LeBron went to Miami, it was very much based on having a defensive identity, right? You think right. of the Celtics, you think of the Pistons, you think of the Spurs. Um, but I think ever since LeBron went to Miami, cha- most championship teams, mm-hmm. it, they've become much more like a Swiss Army knife, right? They can play any style they can you know they can speed it up they can go run and gun they can slow it down play it in the half court and the Raptors have become really good at playing that run and gun game and uh, sort of just you know outscoring you and being able to sustain their offense for 48 minutes um, 
So I wonder how good they are now at being able to play this type of grinded out game um, when the shot isn't falling, especially right. Because you look mm-hmm. at the team, you look at the roster. You're depending on Lowry, Bamley, Miles, and Ibaka to hit their outside shots. And so if two out of those four aren't, aren't hitting, then it's tough. Um, yeah. And that was that was the case where you know Lowry and Miles both struggled. So. Um, I think that's an issue, um, but uh, you know, with role players in the playoffs, you sort of, you know, on average they play well at home and they struggle on the road. Mm-hmm. So I guess as long as the Raptors have home court, that's not really something they have to be too worried about. Um, but yeah, the, I think overall, just the la- the, un- the inability to match the physicality of Boston was concerning. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that's kind of the biggest disappointment from that game. I don't think it was, like, necessarily a shock that the Raptors went cold a little bit uh, on three-point shots. Um, that's something that's bound to happen. Um, I thought for the most part, the Raptors moved the ball pretty well. Like, if you look at just how um, Lowry and DeMar approached this game in terms of just moving the ball, uh, especially mm-hmm. since, like, DeMar was getting doubled a lot, Lowry was seeing a lot of extra attention as well. Um, and both of those guys were consistently making the right passes. Um, it was just a matter of could the supporting players, you know, hit the shots. And, you know, you know, part of that comes down to Lowry. Like, Lowry, um, you know, shooting, what, like 2 of 10 from deep. And, and you got CJ Miles, you know, obviously, you know, missing everything. I love when they um, reviewed that uh, that shot by CJ Miles in the fourth quarter. Where I was like, oh, no, he oh was tipped. God. It was his air ball. There was no way CJ shot an air ball. <laughs> he was definitely tipped, right? It was out of bounds. And then, like, we just had to see the replay like 16 times <laughs> that yeah. CJ just brutally airballed the shot. And he was pretty yeah. open too. Like, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot of the problems do stem from that, right? Like, if the outside players can't make their shots, there's a lot, you can't play as fast. Because a lot of times when you play fast, you want to get an early transition three, and the Raptors weren't able to do that. Uh, and also, you know, you know. Eventually, because the Raptors couldn't hit any shots, the the Celtics pretty much straight up disrespected them. Like you don't see two three zone in the NBA very often, like at all. I would say like maybe five percent, maybe less percent of all possessions defensively are played in a zone format. Um, and especially a two three zone, like that's all you're trying to do in two three zone is prevent penetration into the paint. Right, yep. like maybe you can dump the ball into the high post and you can make an action happen there. Um, but aside from that, it's going to be impossible for you to drive to the basket against NBA defenses. You got to beat your man, um, help from the wing maybe, and also a, a man pretty much standing like under the rim. Um, so like it, it's just it, you know the three point shot closes everything else, and you know like you said the Raptors half court offense wise. I mean like. Beyond Demar and JV, like who do you really trust to get you a bucket uh, in those sort of grimy half court scenarios, right? Like, yeah, and, and you you look at that at those late game scenarios where I mean it was almost like the Celtics just called the Raptors bluff, right? Exactly. They they weren't gonna they weren't gonna respect Siakam on the outside. They were mm-hmm. gonna you know they they they're a team that doesn't make mistakes defensively, and yeah. these. You know, they're really good at executing. Brad Stevens does a great job of just making sure the guys stay in front of their man. You know, they show perfectly on the pick and roll. They just do everything right. And so you're there to do 
things that maybe take you out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors very much looked out of their comfort zone against that zone defense. Um, yeah. What can the Raptors do differently? It's like, so what are you going to do? Are you are you going to take Siakam out of the game and go with JV and Ibaka? Um, now there's things that they can expose on the other end of the floor. Um, so I thought it was, it was really interesting the way Brad Stevens closed out that game. And frankly, he's probably been the best closer in the league this season. When you look at the way the Celtics have pulled games out, that's, they probably wouldn't without him. Yeah, yeah and this is like a <clears throat> this is like a multi-year trend. It's not just this year. Um, we saw it last year as well. Like the Celtics are, you know, had a pretty average point difference. It was like 3.5 last year and they won like 53 games. Yep. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy, but the reason for that is because, um, down the stretch, I mean, like, you know, Stevens pulls a lot of switches and, 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 and levers that like really do, um, work out. I feel like that was one of the things throughout the game. Like every time the Raptors went on a bit of a run, and it felt like for the most of the game, the Raptors were the better team, executing better, making better shots, whatever. Um, especially in that third quarter, it really looked like the Raptors were gonna like run away and take a ten point lead at yeah. some point. That just never happened because the Celtics kept responding. And I think um, one of the things that uh, the Celtics did in that game, which um, you pointed out in, in the in, in the DMs, was that the Celtics went big against the Raptors bench. And it's usually that bench where if the starters can open up like a five, six, seven point advantage, that bench comes in, and you know the one the bench with Demar, you know, you know, puts up another three, four points, and then all of a sudden to start the fourth quarter, the Raptors bench usually just crushes teams. Um, and mm-hmm. you know that didn't happen because the Celtics went big. So, um, like, what was it about the Celtics um, with that strategy? What part of that strategy worked effectively, and and why did it work? So initially, um, this is something that I noticed in the Clippers game when mm-hmm. they took over in the fourth quarter and they went with, uh, what was it, Boban and Harold. Right. And I thought that was really interesting because uh, Pirtle really couldn't deal with the size of Boban. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many people can. And then uh, Siakam, it was like he was looking in the mirror, this energy guy in Harold who was matching him uh, <laughs> up and down the court. And so I think it took away one of the biggest strengths of that Raptors bench where the two bigs have such great chemistry together and play off one another, not on just the offensive end, but the defensive end as well. And I thought the Celtics pretty much did the same thing in this one as well. Um, and, you know, whether it was Horford or Monroe, uh, they both made it a point to attack on the offensive end. And then defensively, um, they're both big guys that, don't necessarily have to again respect Siakam's shot, mm-hmm. so they can play closer to the basket. They can sort of control the defense from there. Um, so I think those are two things, two things that really affected uh, the Raptors. And then the other thing is um, not really being able to play Fred VanVleet, who I thought was playing well, but now when you playing all these guys, I mean they they even played Tatum at the point for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they went super big. Like nobody on the floor was yeah. like it was like everyone was six, seven, and over. Yeah, for the so, Celtics. So exactly. So again, it's just you know really forcing the Raptors' hand, really forcing Dwayne Casey's hand into you know we're going to take you to places that you haven't been before. We're going to force your hand in terms of making lineup calls. You know. For the most part, mm-hmm. Van Vliet's been a part of the closing lineups. And now, if you look at the blueprint, if teams are going to go big and force the Raptors' hand, well, what is the closing lineup then? 
um, especially if CJ Miles isn't making his shot, if they're not going to respect Siakam, if you know OG isn't really OG, you know, I think yeah. there's some questions to be answered there. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a couple of things there. I mean, if you want to nitpick in terms of sort of how the Raptors closed that game, I thought like. Uh, the Raptors basically cycled through a couple things where, like, at first it seemed like Casey really wanted to make a couple subs to address the defense, and then once that didn't work out and they were down, like, six or seven or eight, there were, he was like, all right, let's put in a bunch of shooters to try to uh, fix the offense because, you know, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, if you're down, you obviously need more offense. Um, but, you know, like, in those scenarios, I might prefer Fred Van Vliet um, and... It, over someone like CJ Miles, where, you know, like, I think that's sort of, it was strange to see CJ, especially after the, the, the amount of struggles he had throughout the game, for him to actually come back in the fourth quarter and close the part of that game, because, like, I, I understand we needed CJ for the threes, but he wasn't giving any of that, uh, that night, yep. and also, defensively, you know, <clears throat> CJ is part of the issue, like, he doesn't, he's one of the softest defenders on the wing, um, there are in the league, which like, you know, I, I think CJ kind of knows where to be most times and, and makes the right rotation. So he's not one of those defenders. Um, but he's just like very, it's very easy to go through CJ miles, right? Like it, it shouldn't happen where yeah. like someone can post up CJ who is six foot eight. Um, and like not skinny, right? Like it, it should, it should be relatively easy to guard in the post uh, in that position. Cause you have such a physical, um, base to work on. But he's just very soft, and he he allows a lot of contact to go through him. And you know, when you look up and down this Raptors roster, like you know, there there isn't a lot of physicality um, on this team, which is also another issue that you know could crop up in the playoffs. Um, I think you know, like if you look at sort of who's giving me the who's giving me the physical guy for you, like OG is someone, especially if his offense is coming back around, which you know, like it's very subtle, but I think his offense is starting to come back around a little bit. OG's physical. Norm's even a little bit physical. Like, he plays a bit above his size. I still have fond memories of last year when uh, Norm, you know, spent like a, like a half the game guarding Chris Tapps Porzingis in the post and did it really yeah. well. Um, that was before Chris Tapps improved his post game. I don't think it would work this year. Uh, also, Norm also just lost his way. But, you know what I mean? Like, there's a couple players on the Raptors that do play physically. Um, but the problem is, like, the guys that play physically generally – aren't as good offensively. And so, like, it, it's just tough to sort of find this balance between um, how the Raptors can have both a physical, defensively sound lineup uh, to go along with um, a lineup where they have enough spacing and they can generate looks on offense. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Um, and I guess this is where it goes back to sort of that – Swiss Army knife style and that switchability. It's more, you know, the, the Raptors have to change guys depending on what they want as opposed to the individuals themselves being able to, you know, adjust, right? Um, other than that, I I don't want to get too concerned about it, this, but because, like I said, you know, 8 for 35 is not going to happen every game. Um, there's been plenty of Popeye's nights, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't expect that to be the norm in the postseason. Um, besides that, uh, you know, maybe, um, are you concerned at all, uh, about, uh, Jakob Like, I know he had that really good half against Denver, mm-hmm. but I feel like over the last little stretch, he has been a bit down. 
defensively making some mistakes that, you know, I guess most rookies would make, but we've become so accustomed to him being so good defensively that it's, it is a little bit jarring to see. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I I have a little bit of concern there. Um, he I, he I might just be wearing down a little bit. Or, yeah. He has been dependent on probably more than people expected, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... So yeah, other than that, I would say that's probably the only thing that's on my mind. Uh, Delon, I thought was surprisingly bad. Uh, uh, bro, when Delon missed that <laughs> like layup, like wide yeah. open uncontested layup, which was off a really nice pass by Fred Van Vliet, where Van Vliet crowded the loose ball and then immediately th- threw like a almost like a football pass, um, yeah. where he sort of like slung it over his shoulder with one hand. Uh, and it hit Delon perfectly in stride, and Delon decided to go for some reverse dunk or something, and and bricked it. Like, yeah, Delon, and I think bro, he saw whoever was chasing him, and then so he decided against just going for the regular layup and wanted to go for the reverse, but he was never like he took off too far to actually like make it a reverse, and then it never happened. And that was another segment in the game where it looked like the Raptors could pull away a little bit. Yeah, and he misses that, mm-hmm. and then the Celtics uh, come right back. Yeah. So. So yeah, the Celtics definitely know how to hang tough. Um, you have to respect what they've done without Kyrie, without Hayward all season. So, um, yeah, they're they're gonna be tough to beat. They are tough to beat. I mean, that's that's an example of like the talent is not that high, but well, that's not true. They do have a lot of talented players. It's just like the the peak talent isn't that high, but they do make mm-hmm. the most out of it. And that's a lot like the Raptors. Like, the Raptors, generally speaking, make the most out of their talent as well. Um, yeah. I'm going to skip over the coach of year thing, because I feel like uh, right now, based that's- on what we saw in that, that game on Saturday, I think, you know, Stevens is probably the better in-game manager. I, I, not mm-hmm. probably. He is the better in-game manager than, than Dwayne Casey, but... Um, I wanted to focus on a little bit of the positives. And I think I t- we, we touched on it earlier, but um, the most important one is Serge. The fact that he was healthy uh, and rested, you know, like we had for the, the Raptors had an off day in Toronto on Monday. Then he had a really good game against the Nuggets. And then even against the Celtics, um, even though he kind of faded and didn't really change too much uh, of what happened sort of in the fourth quarter of that game, he didn't also didn't touch the ball basically. Um, you know, like, Serge has looked a lot better. And, and that's promising, because that really does lend credence to the idea that if he gets rest, um, if he, you know, has time to sort of focus on his game and, and is not too busy sending out Snapchats, like, you know, he's going to be solid. Um, and we saw that, you know, this weekend. I guess, you know, uh, as much as sort of Serge has struggled throughout most of March, he is a very important player, and he's one of those players that, like I said earlier, you know, he is the versatile piece that can be physical while also contributing offensively. Uh, and uh, I was just very encouraged by what I saw out of Serge this week. What did you What do you think of Serge? And and where do you feel about? Well, how do you feel about Serge and relying on him going into the playoffs? Uh, I trust him. Um, I think probably more than the general public does. I. I just, I just feel like he's one of those guys that understands when the games matter, and I, he probably deep down understands where his body's at as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, today, I mean, the game against Boston was obviously encouraging. There aren't going to be any back-to-backs in the playoffs. 
And that's, you know, back-to-back situations. He shoots about 28% from three. His numbers are way down. Um, less than five rebounds a game. So mm-hmm. uh, he's not going to be faced with that situation in the playoffs. And hopefully this isn't a postseason where the Raptors go to game seven in every series. I think that's going to be key as well. You and hopefully it's not a scenario where, like, last year Serge twisted his ankle in, like, pretty much the first game. He landed on Giannis on a dirty, you know, close-up. Not dirty, but right. Zaza-esque, where, you know, he closed out a little bit too far, like, to the point where um, he's stepping in the landing zone. And I think Serge yeah. was kind of slow and, by that for the rest yeah, of the Yeah, but, but, I mean, when you look back at that series against mm-hmm. the Bucks, Serge was... Solid. If if not the co-best player with DeMar, he might have been the best player. Yeah, because, look, um, that whole series came down to the Raptors. Can you stop Giannis enough? And yeah. the what they figured out was we put PJ on him to start, and then Serge come is is at center, so he's closer to the rim, and then he helps at the rim, and that was pretty much the formula to contain Giannis, and that solved the series. The rest of the series worked itself out because you know Serge and Norm could space the floor a little bit. Right, and you know one thing I think that gets overlooked from that series is that decision to start Norm for Jonas mm-hmm. put. A lot of pressure on Serge. Yep. Because and he delivered. He had, yeah, exactly. He had to be the big, he had to be the rim protector. He had to be the stretch five. And I thought he did that to perfection. And so if you can get that Serge once again, like you saw for most of this game against Boston, like you said again, you saw it for, uh, good stretches against Denver. I think it's really encouraging going into the postseason. Um, and as you said, if he can be that, as you wrote in your, great piece about him. Um, if he can be that third guy and the Raptors can have that expectation of him, then I think the ceiling is, you know, where people want it to be for a number one team. Yeah, for sure. Um, with Serge, especially, you know, going back to the point of, like, he knows when to turn it on. Serge has been in the league nine years? No, eight years. Yep. Uh... And he's been to the playoffs every single year other than his rookie year. He's yeah. the only one on the roster that's been to the NBA Finals. Yeah. And we're talking about – so first first year he played six games uh, as a rookie – or sorry, as a sophomore in the playoffs. They lost in six. Then he played 17, 20, 11, 17, 18, 10 games respectively in the playoffs. So, like, this is – Serge is a guy who knows how to pace himself, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. been through this journey before. He knows where he's at physically and – Traditionally, he's been a pretty solid playoff guy. Like, even last year, right? Serge yep. averaged 14 points a game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, he's consistently been a good percentage guy. Like, the year before that, Serge shot 52%, 45%, uh, 52% from the field, 45% from deep. On his career, he's 50% from the field, 40% from deep in the playoffs, um, with a lot of blocks as well. And I think, you know... The Raptors might have to... The, my only thing with Serge is that um, I think defensively he's going to look a lot better when he plays center. Um, because when he's at power forward, he's just not as active of a presence at the rim. And also, right. he's, you know, standing around the perimeter. And that's... Normally, I think Serge actually has pretty nimble feet. But, like, honestly, throughout most of March, he was getting blown by, like, every single time. Normally, Serge has quick enough feet to do that, but still, that's not his main strength. The fact that he's versatile is his main strength. Like, when it's called upon, it's there, but most times, you don't want it to be your primary thing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if Serge does play five, 
that does make it that does create an issue of playing time and sort of your rotation with what does JV do and what does Pirtle do because for the most part the Raptors have gotten tremendous production out of their center spot right down to even someone like Bebe who consistently comes in and, and gives you something um, mm-hmm. you know like if Serge is playing five for you then all of a sudden you're a little bit short on wings again uh, and so I, I don't I don't really know man the rap I don't know so all of a sudden it feels like there's a lot of things to think about. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to touch on with Serge mm-hmm. on the offensive end is, you know, I think a lot of the criticism he's received is justified, but I think it needs to come with the context that um, him coming over from OKC, it was very much, you know, the ball was dominated by Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and he was never asked to do much. And same thing, you know, Casey said it on a podcast with Woj, where yeah. he said, you know, they're asking Serge to do a lot of different things that he's never done before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think because the Raptors have had so much success in the way that they've changed, mm-hmm. it almost becomes that much easier to focus on where they've been bad. Whereas, you know, if they had said, hey, we're going to change the culture entirely, and they we're sort of, you know, at say 45 wins, and sort of working through things. I think it would have been a lot more easier to understand Serge's struggles. Mm-hmm. But because everyone has come along so well, you have this one guy who maybe hasn't been great with the new offense. And so it's become, it, it stood out that much more. But I think you just have to understand that, you know, not everyone is going to be on the same page. Uh, when you change things so dramatically, and you see that with Norm too. Yeah, what's crazy about Serge is that like he's way more accomplished, but he's had way less offensive uh, latitude and also development than even someone like JV. Mm-hmm. Which is like absolutely when you see like JV drive like two years ago, that's kind of what Serge looks like when he drives. You know, right now. Except Serge right. even has the benefit of people respecting his jumper. Like people still close out on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 in, I'm encouraged by Serge. And then the other thing is just OG. Like OG is another one of those guys where he's big enough to defend his position, um, and also he can do things offensively. And what it comes down to OG is he does like three things offensively. He hits the catch and shoot corner three, or maybe even slightly mm-hmm. above the break. Those are pretty much the two areas he stands in. He uh, drives at the basket, and, or he cuts towards the basket and he finishes around the brim. Usually, like he's a pretty reliable finisher um, because he's strong and he's physical. And he goes up like he's able to go up with two hands and he's got pretty good just jumping ability. And it, it really looks like he's coming back. Like when he almost murdered Aaron Baines, it was like, oh, okay, all right, that's some like uh, Indiana. <laughs> Uh, college level OG hops when you know before the ACL injury, and and he's starting yeah. to do that a little bit more where he's you know driving on the baseline you know doing his thing cutting baseline he's a very good cutter, and then the third thing is you know he's when he does drive the the you know into the paint he's able to make plays for other people and a lot of that is dump offs um, for JV or whoever and we saw all three of those things in the Celtics game we all know that OG is not going to be a high usage offensive player at least not yet. Um, but if he can do those things, if he could do two of those three things every single game, I think Dwayne needs to sort of give OG more of a look because it's been forever since OG closed the game. And I think he really deserves that because remember, OG used to be that closer, right? OG used to be the Fred Van Vliet. Yep. 
Yeah. No, it's true. As long as OG, and I think I, I do agree with you. I do think you've seen the signs of uh, the OG that started the season. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's a huge bonus for the Raptors. And if he's playing like that, then yeah, he's going to be huge for the Raptors um, in terms of deciding closing units because it looks like you know the first round will probably be against Milwaukee, where you want him against Giannis. Yep. We, we're going to need him against Giannis. And honestly, like, if we do play Giannis first round, it's going to be a nice little tune-up for him to play LeBron in the second round. <laughs> you know how the Raptors' luck is, man. We we uh we never make it easy on ourselves as Raptors fans. And also, circumstances rarely just work out in our favor. Um, Right. I do I do think the Cavs will finish with the three seed, though, now with Embiid. They, they got a nice rhythm. They got a nice rhythm to them. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's preview next week's games because these this is actually important. All right. All of a sudden, honestly, this, this podcast, like this segment of previewing the next week's games, has just been completely irrelevant for pretty much since mm, like like December onwards. Like it was just like <laughs> Raptors win every single game. Period. And then like most yeah. times, it'd be like, oh, Raptors lost one of them. What a big oh, boo hoo. Like <laughs> this year, it's actually a little bit. This this podcast is actually a little bit important because um, Raptors' lead over first place in the Eastern Conference has dwindled suddenly to two games um, because the Celtics, when injured, uh, have somehow gotten even better, and the Raptors have a packed schedule coming up. Uh, this is the second last week of the season. The Raptors start mm-hmm. on Tuesday. They play the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Raptors play on Saturday, so they had um, you know. Sunday and Monday to fully really rest and uh, get another good practice in before they go and see the Cavaliers. This time they'll be at the queue, which is a tough place to play. Um, I don't know. It would be great if the Raptors could, uh, you know, bounce back. I think emotionally it would help them a lot, but uh, I think it's going to be a tough game, a very tough game. And with the way the Raptors are looking of late, losing four to the last seven, that could be a loss. In fact, I don't think that could be a loss. I think I would favor the Cavaliers in that one. I would favor the Cavaliers, um, but I'm going to pick Toronto to win that game. Okay. Go with your heart. Go with Uh, your heart. (laughs) No, I I actually think George Hill being out is a factor. Okay. I thought he was great in that game. um, Nine of ten. Nine of ten, bro. Nine of ten. Yeah. Oh Lord! So I'm not I'm not banking on uh, Jose as great as Jose is uh, to have the game that he had last time as well. I so. I can't get mad at Jose, but Jose, please come on. We uh, we had a lot of good times <laughs> together, bro. Come to the ACC. You see that one oh six oh seven Atlantic Division banner? You put that up there, man. You and TJ Calderon or TJ Calderford um, <laughs> did a great job putting that shit up there. So. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. I think. Look, defensively, it, it, the one the, the one area that really concerns me in that game is just the Raptors right now have a lot of questions defensively all of a sudden because they haven't been able to stop anybody in a while. Um, and you know, the Cavaliers are a potent offensive club, and it, especially since like you know Kevin Love is back in the lineup now, and J.R. Smith is finding his rhythm a little bit because he saw a therapy dog and then shot eight of nine from the field, which is the most J.R. Smith story ever. Um, <laughs> also throwing soup. The two of them very, very close. Um, yeah, the Cavs are just worrisome right now. And um, 
I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, LeBron's back in God mode as well. So yeah, LeBron's always been in God mode though. But yeah, yeah. now he's I mean, really like this season he doesn't win he wants. Now he's... that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't. I, this is gonna be tough. That's gonna be tough. And again, this is gonna just be another big. It's gonna put a lot more pressure on the Raptors if they lose that game. I oh, think the fact course. that the Raptors have a lot of rest going to that game helps them a lot because I think the way the Raptors win this game is they jump on the Cavs early. Um, like they did in the last game, and then hopefully they make more shots than they did. I mean, I'm looking at Surge. Um, hopefully they make more shots to sort of like basically take that cushion and you know um, work it in their advantage, and hopefully you know the Raptors can actually hold on to win. But um, the issue is the Cavaliers are at home. They were at home today to play the Dallas Mavericks, and they won that game. They got a day off on Monday as well, and then they play the Raptors. So it's not like the Cavaliers are not rested. Ultimately, I'm going to have to give that game to the Cavs. Um, you can say Raptors. All right. Yep, um, we, cool. we can disagree on that one. Then, yep. the following day, the Raptors play a back-to-back at wait, home. Wait, so be- before we go to that, okay. um, so one thing I was just thinking about is the Cavs, the one thing that's good for the bench is the Cavs can't really go as big as some of the other teams no, can. No, they don't have any bigs. I, exactly. <laughs> Tristan so, Thompson's back, and, and he's actually looked okay in a couple of these games. Um, but, yeah. yeah. But again, it's that size that sort of, you know, that size and strength that takes away what Pergo can do so well, right? So, mm. um, I think, I think I'm comfortable with him against Tristan versus, say, Monday. Word. Yeah, okay. And then the next day, the Raptors mm-hmm. play, uh, the Boston Celtics at home at the ACC. This is, um, probably a must win. This is a must win game. Um, the, yes. the Celtics would be on a tough back-to-back. They play in Milwaukee on Tuesday, and then they play the Raptors. So both teams will be on the back-to-back, and the Celtics will be on the road. And given that right. the Raptors' role players didn't really show up, and that decided a lot of the game in Boston, I think, you know, like you said earlier, the Raptors' role players show up this time, and the Raptors get the win, and we can have some normalcy in the Raptors' mm-hmm. uh, corner of the Internet, which has just been absolutely miserable to be in recently. And not even like a fun miserable. Not even like after game two against the Cavaliers where we're like, bro, we, we have nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is like just miserable. Yeah. Like, come on, I thought we were different this time and then bam, we lost to the Celtics. Um, but yeah, I think we win this game. What do you think? I think so too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got them winning both these games. Um, okay. Yo, yo, I, listen, if we do win these two games back to back, then it's back on. All right. It's back to it's back to championship mode. Yeah, exactly. Forget <laughs> everything. Forget the Cavs win. Forget the Celtics win. Forget that OKC whatever thing. Man, we're we're back in business. Raptors championship. But yeah, no, I think the Celtics game, um, like you said, they're going to be on the second night of a back to back, and I think coming back home is better uh, for the Raptors. The role players, I think, will get back in gear, mm-hmm. um, and I expect Larry to have much better. Uh, shooting night than you know the what he had in Boston, so yeah. I think that'll be the difference. Uh, and then on Friday, the Raptors play the Orlando Magic, which or sorry, uh, Indiana Pacers, which is almost arguably another must-win game because you really want to hold the Pacers down and keep them in that four seed. Um, yes, and you know the Pacers are a gritty, tough opponent, but ultimately. The Raptors should be able to come in with that win, especially at home with a day's worth of rest. Um, you know, they should win that game. 
They should, yeah. I would expect them to as well. I think, yeah. uh, I, I don't think the Pacers are as real as their record. Um, they're 46 and 31. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a good team. I just they are. Just they they also are a very physical team too. Like they kind of bully the Raptors a little bit too. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, can you build a wall so that Victor Oladipo can't get to the rim, and then you know, even their shooters like yeah, just don't overreact. Stay home and <laughs> double Oladipo. Well, yeah, like that's, that's, that's like the, the that's like how to beat the Raptors is how to beat the the the, the, the Pacers. Yeah, and and how much can Indiana rely on Bogdanovich in the playoffs? You know what I mean? Is he really going to be yeah. your like second or third best scorer? All of those guys, but how much are you going to rely on Lance Stevenson to shoot? Yeah, Lance. I mean, he's just crazy. So yeah, yeah, and he's 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 uh, with a guy like that. He feeds so much off the crowd that again, away from home, the Raptors should win that game. Um, so I'm saying two and one so far. You're saying three and zero. Oh. Three and zero oh would be perfect. That would be perfect for everyone's mental health if the Raptors, you know, won three and zero. Oh. And then on Sunday, the Raptors play their Orlando Magic, and that's that's just a win. Period. Like the Magic are tanky, bro. They scored 88 points today against the Hawks. Yep, that's that's, that's incredible. Much to be said there. Like, I can't envision a scenario in which the Raptors lose that game. So they're playing Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon. Nick Vucevic together, which is just uh, awful as a front court in the modern NBA. Vucevic why today... is that game on NBA TV? <laughs> really? Yo, why? Yeah. You, you, you know the NBA is just like, oh, crap, we're, here, we're hearing all types of shit from the Raptors fans again about how we're not being shown. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just throw them on whenever. It's convenient. Um, Nick Vucevic today scored 10 points on 3 of 19 shooting against the Atlanta Hawks. If you're three of nineteen, don't shoot. If you're three of eighteen, don't shoot the next shot. Don't shoot it. <laughs> don't shoot it. Um, but yeah, they also start Wesley Awundu and DJ Augustine, uh, and their bench is putrid. And you know, hopefully it'll just be a ni- another nice night where the Raptors hug Bismack, Demar goes over there, clowns them a little bit about his age or Wakanda or whatever, and uh, you know, we just have some nice open gym moments. But hopefully the Raptors just come away with a win in that game. Yep, I'm with you on that. So I've got a four in a week. All right. Damn. We started this podcast sure. so dark, and you picked it up, man. You picked, you picked it up. You know, honestly, if it's a four in a week, I'll, I'll, I'll be feeling very blessed. I'll be feeling very blessed. But, uh, yeah, I think, honestly, three and one is probably where it's at. And yeah. Three and one. Three and one. I, I don't want to say two and two, because the Raptors shouldn't lose that Celtics game. They really shouldn't. They, they shouldn't have lost this game that they played on Saturday, and they definitely shouldn't, you know, lose the next one when they play at home when the Celtics also are on a back-to-back. So, right. hopefully, Raptors go either 4-0 or 3-1. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other end, and we will take Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still your roof, uh, Vivek. Um, did you, first off, um, you're a United fan. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, were you sad to see Zlatan go? Like, did, did you like Zlatan's tenure with United? Uh, he, he was great last season. Uh, he won you guys, uh, he, he, like, he won you guys 
the uh, Europa and you know you were able to backdoor into to Europe like to, to Champions League with yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he came, he did the job. You know, I thought I thought he'd be a good mentor for Lukaku as well, and maybe put some pressure on him, and trying to keep his performances up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, the injuries um, that sucked. So I would have liked to see a bit more. You know, Lukaku maybe having to fight for his place on the team a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm happy for him. I think. He gets to be Zlatan in LA. I think it's a perfect combo. Perfect. It's, and that and that that debut, man. Oh my god, that goal! Oh. <laughs> and then win it as well. <laughs> Look, listen, Zlatan is not the best player in the world, not even close. Um, but in terms of his highlight reel, in terms of his best goals, they're right up there with even someone like Ronaldo, man. <laughs> like, yeah, like Messi, yeah. whatever. Like, he doesn't like Messi. Is like he's got the Maradona goal, and then he's got like. The goal against uh, Bilbao in the Copa del Rey and everything like that. But Messi's got like a thousand goals, basically. But like, yeah, the best goals as Lantan scores, no one comes close to. Nobody. And that the the scorpion kick that he had against England. Yo, oh my god. Uh, yo, shout out to uh, shout out to uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the the England keeper. Was it Joe Hart? It was Joe Hart, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Shout out to Joe Hart for making the Michael Ruffin of uh, clearances because he <laughs> did not put that far enough, bro. <laughs> that was Michael Ruffin throwing the ball in there, and then Mo Peacock oh, and sent it to OT, and we won that game in OT. Um, but uh, yeah, Zlatan, I- I'm happy for Zlatan. I- seriously, it's going to be really fun. It's another reason to watch the MLS. That's it's always good. Yeah, for sure, and I mean. Some people will talk about the age, but I think he's going to dominate. I think yeah. LA, Toronto, that game is going to be off the charts. Yeah, look, what are people really complaining about? Like, like, okay, yeah, he's old, whatever. Like, what's yeah. he producing for you? Like, Zlatan's going to come into the league and be one of the most, like, like seriously, like, did people complain about Drogba's, like, tenure with, with, with Montreal? Like, yeah, he didn't play when it was on turf or whatever, but, like, he still gave him a lot of good moments. And, like, for a guy with that much stature... Like Zlatan, yep. like he has a like that's a Zlatan hive. All right, the mm-hmm. bear Bosnians are are on and and Swedish people are on uh, Zlatan's side. I mean, like man, <laughs> it's 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 just gonna be a good time, and he's he's gonna be a it's, it's something to watch for sure. Like there's, even if you, you hate, you think you still watch? You think there's any chance he makes the World Cup squad? <sighs> well, yeah. Well, I mean. Honestly, I think it just depends on like how like this sort of if he sort of finds his form again. Like, cause it's not like it's not like Sweden's overloaded with a bunch of top tier strikers that are better than this current version of Zlatan. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hopefully, we're so far away from basketball right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, listen, if you don't know who Zlatan is, all right, and you, you, even if you're not even a fan of soccer, I, I would just implore you to go on YouTube and search best Zlatan goals. All right, you can turn off the music because it's going to be some terrible like Cascada remix, um, but I promise you it's worth it for any sporting fan. Zlatan is a god. I, even best Zlatan interviews. Oh, like, best Zlatan interviews. I mean, he's. A and a half. Who would you say his NBA comp is? Like Westbrook. Embiid. Embiid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like powerful swagger. Yeah. Makes crazy plays at someone of his size. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's not adding Rihanna. That's about it. 
Yo. <laughs> Joel. That's not how you do it, man. First off, okay, here's, a, here's a problem with this. And be like, you can't, the problem is there's too many, like, sixer bros on the internet, period. Right, that's already a problem. But, like, you can't sick all of the sixer bro crowd onto Rihanna. That's just not, that's not gonna work for you, man. You're, you're it's just a bad look. It really is. You privately DM this. You sort of handle, handle this on the low. Maybe you drop, like, maybe an Instagram photo here, there being like, happy birthday, Rihanna, whatever. You can't go out of this publicly because you got too many bros on your side, and you know, like they're just gonna ruin it for you. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Imagine if you had like two million wingmen. It's never gonna work for you. <laughs> they're just gonna be like, mm, I don't want to <laughs> deal with this. Bye. <laughs> Plus, it's Rihanna, so you weren't. It wasn't gonna work anyway. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Anyway, let's uh, let's take some Raptors Twitter questions. First one from Sean Woodley. Why is everything fine? Obviously, this is a, this is a joke on, uh, well, not necessarily a joke, but I mean, like, it's, Woodley's making a joke on Woodley's brand. Vivek, what do you think of Woodley's brand in terms of the eternal optimist? Shut up, everything's fine, brand. Um, I mean, it, it, it's good to have that counter to what seems to be, in general, a very pessimistic Raptors Twitter. Can you um, blame us? We're, <laughs> <laughs> we got history, man. We got history. You can't say we don't have history. No. I mean, obviously, the history has a lot to do with it, but mm. I don't know. I, I, this is easily the best season in franchise history. Um, easily. So, yeah, so why not just enjoy it for what it is? Like, that's part of why I wrote about, you know, that John Truman stat. Yes. You exposed you know, them. No. Were... <laughs> that was a good a piece, man. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, a lot of people were going crazy about that in terms of going up against offenses in the top ten. And um, yeah, I think when you add context to everything, it's a lot more palpable uh, to deal with some of these Raptors losses. So mm. uh, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. It's good to have uh, different takes and have everyone with different opinions and let us have a better perspective of everything. Yeah, exactly. And no matter what happens, Woodley will tell you it's fine. All right. The Raptors down 3 nothing in the second round against the Cavaliers. Everything has gone to shit, and Woodley's going to be like, it's fine. LeBron's probably not going to do this again. It's, it's not likely that LeBron will go for 40. Um, and we'll all appreciate it. He's, he's, he's just got to make his display pick that, you know, that dog with the fire around it. Yeah, yeah. Instead of this, this current one is, uh, is a bit confusing with Sean. Um, the one where he's making a, uh, a very, I don't really want to... It's, like, angry, but also just, like, determined. Determined is probably the best face because, yeah, he has, he's pointing to a framed picture of Terrence Ross, which I can only imagine is uh, in his bedroom. Um, that's devotion right there. And, and honestly, believing in Terrence <laughs> Ross is also to say that everything's going to be fine because it's pretty clear Terrence Ross is just Gerald Green with four or five fingers and, uh, you know... Yeah. The slander is real. <laughs> <laughs> to who? Is Terrence Ross or, or Woodley? Woodley. Woodley's a good guy. Oh, man. Man. Woodley's a good man. I think everyone just got home. <laughs> yeah. That's just fair. jointly. All three of them. Um, <laughs> next one from Dutty Bookman. 
Uh, it really, it really, really went from everything is fine to this question, which is why are they like this, breaking our hearts, and it's not even the playoffs <laughs> yet? Oh man! You know, I've been seeing a lot of this on Twitter, all right, <laughs> and in the forums, including the Real GM forums. All right, I'm in there now, especially since the RR forums aren't as active as before. I'm in the Real GM forums, you know, lurking. I don't have an account. A lot of people are saying the last seven games, the Raptors lost four and won three are like a mini playoffs and the Raptors have failed. Which is, I have to say, that's the most Raptors thing ever because literally before that we won like 16 of 17 games. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, that's the most pessimistic thing possible, man. So if we just cut off this worst section of the season, we say the Raptors lost in seven games, which is like, really? Really? Anyway. Um. Yeah. Why are we Why are we getting our hearts broken, man? Um. Yeah, I think I think part of it is because you know the Raptors. Every time they seem to have this moment where you know the fans can maybe puff their chest out a little bit and really flex on, ideally the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't really get to do it, right? Um, we talk about the game in Boston. Um, obviously, did plenty of it when they smacked them at home. Uh, Raptors Twitter Twitter was pretty crazy. Um, obviously, we had to wait for you to get back from vacation or wherever you were. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was a good time. That was a good time. That was a good <laughs> oh, time. Man. If, if Yo. you were there live for that game, oh, my good. Yeah, because we smacked them from the jump. Like we we just yeah. <laughs> we just decked them from the beginning and we just kept going, man. Like yeah. man, yeah. And I, they they put out like a Kyrie. Plus bench unit against our bench unit, and <laughs> they got destroyed. And Kyrie looked like <laughs> he was looking at Brad Van but he's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> bro!" He was going up against Lowry for forty-eight minutes. He was looking at Fred Van Blee like he was party next door. <laughs> <laughs> shout out, shout out, Kalani, shout out, Kalani, a great artist and also apparently a Raptors fan. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah. Man. Uh, so yeah, you you know you were hoping you would see it in that uh, game against Cleveland. You know everyone's excited; they're up for 14 at halftime, um, or at least double digits. And then they go on to lose that one. Then, and, and I think what was it the first time ever that a team scored you know more than 75 points and a half and went on to lose or something. Um, and then you look at. Mm. Uh, this game again, you, you know, you're saying, okay, now you've got the rest, and everyone's coming into this all hyped, and you had DeRozan and Casey, and everyone's talking about, you know, yeah, okay, it doesn't define your season, but also you want to show where you are against the top teams, and so again, to drop this one, um, I can I, I, I can understand a bit of heartbreak over, you know, just just being able to flex without having to think about, oh, what if this happens, what if that happens, and now. Mm-hmm. You have to think about those scenarios where you know the Raptors can be a bit exposed. Yeah, listen, um, if you if you're gonna participate on Twitter or anything like that, and if you really want to flex about the Raptors, just be very careful because you are you are not the Warriors and you are not the Cavaliers with with LeBron on it. Like you're the Raptors. Like everything has to pretty much go right. Like the whole system has to work at once. And you know, once the playoffs come and make it very difficult. For specific things to happen, and you need to rely on your second and third options, and also you need to defend 
differently and everything like that, and and you're you're seeing one specific opponent, and you can't surprise them with Siakam driving at the opponent and engaging the center and dumping it off to Pirtle. You really do need to rely on can you defend physically and can your best players generate shots and you know that's where the that's where the swagger kind of ends a little bit. So I, I don't know. I would just say don't don't get that hype. Just don't get that hype. Which is really sad advice, honestly. But I just think it's preservation, man. I mean, like I went, I got hyped last year when the Raptors got PJ, and you know, help oh, us. Oh, I remember first when you hit me up in the DMs. Yeah. You were definitely hyped, <laughs> bro. I, I know, man, because it was so exciting because we got PJ like 14 minutes after the trade deadline had finished. Yeah, it was like the last deal, and, and we shipped off Jared Sellinger. which uh, that scooter now belongs to. I believe that scooter now belongs to Megan McPeak. Who, yes, uh, it does. Who, in, who, who unfortunately her, suffered an injury. Or Achilles? Yeah, yeah. I heard she tore it during the media game, but uh, that's unfortunate. But she she got Sully's scooter out of it. Is that a positive? Not really. I probably wouldn't trade my Achilles for a scooter. She was great at, uh, at Hoop Talks, though. Shout out, Megan. Nice. Um, man, we get this question every week. Uh, who do you want to face? Heater Bucks? Yeah, every single week for, like, since... Beginning of March, <laughs> heater bucks. Just quickly, what, what do you want? Um, I think I kind of prefer the bucks. Uh, I think it, it, you know, ideally, if you're going to prepare for LeBron, no one, no one better than Giannis. Uh, I think the Raptors are very capable of beating a Bucks team that hasn't, you know, ultimately hasn't been too different mm. uh, with Prunty than they were with Kid, and. Defensively, they have a lot of issues. I think uh, they still gamble a little too much with, you know, their blitzes, and I think they can get exposed in the same way they've been uh, been exposed uh, last season. So I'm not too worried about the Bucks. You know, you look at their record against plus 500 teams and things like that. You know, they're just not very good. Um, I understand the Giannis hype, but I don't think we're in an era where one player. Uh, not named LeBron James can just win a series. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think yeah, I the- do think the Bucks will finish eighth though, um, because uh, I think Miami has the easier schedule to finish, and I think uh, they also hold the tiebreaker over Milwaukee as well. So. Mm. Um, the Heat, in terms of physical defenses. Mm-hmm. Uh. And just teams that play very physically, the Heat are going to be overwhelming physically. Like if you thought the Celtics were very physical, the Heat are going to be more physical. Yeah. Um, the only thing is with the Heat, like I still would rather prefer to play the Heat, man. It's just we thought this will have the best player in the series, probably the best two. Well, I don't know about right. two. Larry, the playoffs is so really hit or miss. Spolstra will have the edge in terms of game adjustments. Yeah, but nah, that's true. Actually, it's close. It's, it really is close. Like it's not like either of them are ideal, but. I'm okay ultimately with either of them. If it's the Bucks, I'll be a little bit upset, right. and I think Giannis will easily win at least two games by one, well, maybe not two, at least one game by himself, and probably make another three games really right. tough. But uh, I think the Raptors could beat the Bucks. Also, I would very much like the opportunity yeah. for someone like OG to dunk on Jason Terry. <laughs> like just just dunk him into a coffin. Like just have a coffin set up right at the baseline there. Um, you know, on the Raptors' home floor, and just have OG dunk 
Jason Terry into that coffin would be great because he he should have been in a coffin since 2012, and I can't believe he's still in the league six years later. <laughs> uh, oh. They actually put him into the starting lineup because Tony Snell has been so bad. Bro, imagine that, though. Imagine that. Imagine having issues with this starting small four that you start someone random. <laughs> the Raptors would never. We would never do that. Um, <laughs> next question is from Spicer. Nick Spicer. Who's going to be our X Factor to do big things in the playoffs? <sighs> X Factor. I am going to go with uh, Pascal Siakam, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. He's able to get up and down. I think his ability to defend multiple positions can be really important. You mm-hmm. look at, you know, the matchup potentially with Giannis, potentially with LeBron. Uh, we talk a lot about OG, but I think uh, Siakam's just going to be—he's going to be just as important in terms of being able to defend them, and and then his ability to maybe create. Uh, transition opportunities for the Raptors because, you know, let's face it, in the playoffs where it's so much of a grind, the more uh, easy baskets you can get, the better. And he's been one of the best at creating deflections, getting out, and then getting that bench unit out uh, in transition. So he's my X Factor in the playoffs. Mm. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Uh, I think Van Bleed is also an X Factor a little bit, but. I don't know. Uh, the, the later in the playoffs, like the better quality of teams, the easier it is to exploit Van Bleed as well. So um, I don't know. It's it's also like you can also exploit, you know, Pascal as well. But I could really see like Pascal being the guy to dominate uh, defensively against a, a pesky wing player that's going against the Raptors, like you know, Giannis or LeBron. Right. Yeah. Uh, next one from. Kunal Patel, um, is this team the least physical? The last four years, Raptors have been uh, decent. No Biombo, no Tucker. Is this the Achilles' heel along with bad three-point shooting? First off, no, not not the least physical. The last four years, because twenty third, fourteen, we were very, we were very, very weak. Yeah, like absolutely. Damar was still skinny. Terrence Ross is way softer than CJ Miles is even currently. And, and we had Lou Williams and Grievous Vasquez. Oh my god. Bro, we were so hurting for toughness, we started Tyler Hands, bro. <laughs> Honestly, Dwayne, like, you're, you're pretty good at between game coaching, but when you started Tyler Hands, bro, I wanted to die. I, I straight up wanted to die. We're putting Tyler Hands, out there because Paul Pierce is killing us. I wanted to die. And we lost it. And refused to play James Johnson. And now look at James Johnson. Now look at James Johnson. Slim, svelte, his hair looks better, you know. Good for him, man. He's enjoying that Miami weather. Yeah, good for Spo as well. Good for Spo. I mean, the only thing, I, I really wish Spo didn't have to deal with Whiteside, because Whiteside is just a moron. Oh, my God. Bro, how are you going to get fined because you complain about playing time? Like, how do you think that's going to go? Oh, man. Do you follow Nikias Duncan? Yes. So did you see his rant about uh, Whiteside? No, I've been off Twitter for a while. Oh, okay. okay. Up. But, yeah, what happened? So he went off on Whiteside yesterday, and it was hilarious. So um, 
he was basically making fun of Whiteside because he had to be taken out five minutes into the game because mm-hmm. um, he was like on his knees already, like panting, and so he put up you know you know that uh, that gift that that's been going out lately of SpongeBob like all you know like taking a big <laughs> breath in, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So he was just going off on like this guy couldn't even last five minutes in the game and he wants to be in the game at the end. It's pretty, uh, pretty hilarious. If I can find the thread, I can... Yeah, I'm looking at that. This man it, tweets but... a lot. Yeah. Man tweets <laughs> a lot. Bro, come on, Jeez. man. And yet he only has one-third of the tweets of Snotty Drippin'. Yeah. <laughs> Snotty, bro. Go to sleep. <laughs> All right, I, yeah, I Did you do a pod with him recently? Snotty? I didn't go on the... I went on the same pod. Oh, it was pod. two separate segments. Yeah, it was two separate segments, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen to that one, by the way. Spread the floor. It's a new podcast that uh, Matt Moore is doing, uh, a.k.a. HP Basketball, who has been, honestly, much nicer than the Raptors this season. Like, he, he mm-hmm. tried to get me to make the case of MVP for DeMar DeRozan. I did my best. I don't quite believe that DeMar is the MVP. I wouldn't personally vote DeMar as MVP of the right. NBA this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think Matt did a good case for it. And he also argued pretty well for Casey as coach of the year. And, and we talked about, you know, what it'd be like in the playoffs and stuff like that. So it's good. Listen, listen to that shit. Support, support people that make content. Oh man, I found the tweets. Mm. So he said, you gotta have some nerve to complain about minutes in a game where you had to be subbed out five minutes into the first quarter because of fatigue. You couldn't hang with Jared Allen, but should be trusted to defend RH Day or Damari Carroll. This is like, if Kevin Durant, owner of 18 Burner accounts, complained about people subtweeting him and asking if their app buttons were broken. The complete lack of self-awareness is appalling. What on earth? Imagine being that out of touch. Just imagine. And then he put that SpongeBob pickup. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, pretty much. Whiteside is bad, man. Whiteside is bad. He just is bad. Yeah. He can be great. He can be really freaking great, but he does doesn't. He just is one of those players that, oh man, like he just does not make the right decisions out there. And he and if you have your center who does that, who gambles for blocks and also is a black hole on offense, like you know, you know, that's gonna be an issue. Yeah, and and the Miami Heat have an alternative now in Bam Adebayo. Yeah, who plays hard and does the right things. Exactly. Doing the right thing and getting less stats is better than getting more stats and, you know, pointing the finger at everyone else. Things that, yeah, cause your team to lose. <laughs> exactly. All right, and then we'll take one more. All right. Okay, this one for Ben Scott. Is Lowry hitting threes or DeMar dropping 30 more crucial to playoff success? I would say Lowry hitting threes. Yeah? I think. I think the outside shooting is so important for the Raptors, and if he's not hitting, then you know it's that much more of an onus on Van Vliet and Miles and Ibaka to hit theirs. So, um, yeah, I think Lowry hitting the outside shot is absolutely crucial. And let's face it, the more threes he's hitting, it, it means Demar's playmaking like he has been all season. So that's mm-hmm. probably a good sign too. Yeah, I agree with you. Also, if DeMar is going for 30, it's because the offense is really grimy. 
Mm-hmm. That's just the balance of the offense nowadays. Like, if everyone's hitting shots, Demar's not getting 30. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lowry, shoot some threes. Kyle Lowry making threes is still one of the biggest, if not the biggest, determinants of the Raptors winning games. Some nights he's Patty Mills. Some nights he's Steph Curry. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Like, honestly, that's how it vacillates between, man. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, if Lowry can hit the outside shot too, it, it, it helps him, like, you know, uh, create space to drive on the inside as well. I'm a little bit concerned that yeah. Lowry's game is so polarized to the point where if he's not hitting threes, he's not effective on offense, which is just not good. I mean, he still makes all the right decisions. He's a, he's really, really been good at running the offense, but in terms of a guy that needs, that you need to get you a bucket, Lowry doesn't really do that anymore. Right. Yeah, which is which is okay as long as the Rosen's hitting. Um, but you know it's funny we talked about the Raptors coming into that Celtics game well rested. Mm. Um, with Lowry, he's such a rhythm guy right. that with with the with the way he was shooting the ball, that three days off probably did more harm than good for him. Um, just himself. All so, right, so we just need two training schedules. All right, we need Lowry to just like you know practice every single day. And while somehow also now out overworking him where he gets injuries. Uh, yeah. And then for Serge, he just needs to play as little as possible. Just like stay at home, chill, you know, sell your Mafuzi underwear. Bro, Serge Ibaka is selling underwear. Did yeah. you see this? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, you can't say I didn't see it coming. Um, I think Not we've entirely. all discovered what Mafuzi means. Yep. Yeah. If a guy says anything that you don't understand and it's a noun, it's probably his dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a 75% chance. And I think, Maf- yeah. But, uh, go get yourself some Mafuzi underwear. Ending the pod. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mafuzi. Mafuzi underwear. That's the most, honestly, the probably the most positive thing of this week was Surge coming back a little bit. So, there you go. Yeah. Shout out Surge, yeah. man. If you see Mafuzi underwear in your house. Yeah. Mm. Mm. In all, in all honesty, though, that open gym episode with Serge was great. Oh, the, the most recent one about him and his daughter. Oh, that one. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that so, was nice. That's Serge crazy, is a great like, guy. Having Serge... a daughter and not knowing about it for like four or five years. Yeah, especially because the, the dad apparently hid it from him so that he could focus on his career. Like, yeah, you know, that's crazy. And now he seems like a very involved father. You know, like he's. Um, He's made a smart decision to set them up in Orlando. And when I say smart, I mean not smart. Bro, move your kids to Toronto, please. We have better education here. And <laughs> while the weather is way worse. Um, we also have health care. We have I – mean, come on, sir. Sir doesn't know about that. What are you talking about, bro? If you're rich, if you're making 23 million, you probably want to be in America for health care. <laughs> Bro, Serge needs all the health care he can get, all right? Yo, listen, Serge is getting back rubs as we speak currently. Serge <laughs> is getting a back rub right now by three people, all right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Vivek, this was fun, man. Yeah, good times. Thanks, man. Appreciate good it. Good times. You know what I really miss? The, the I miss the stress-free glee that we felt after uh, that, that Cavaliers game. Cavs. Bro, that's, that's a legend. That's a legendary episode, man. The pod in the Hyundai. You, me, 
Harsh in a freaking Hyundai outside of Turtle Jacks. It was the saga. After we came from the G League showcase, and, you know, Harsh just is available at all times. <laughs> Literally at all times. I'm like, Rose, Harsh, can you come through? And he's like, yeah, I got you. No worries. Uh, and, uh, oh, man. That is definitely one of the highlights of the season. Oh, man. That was a good night, man. That was a good night. Shout out to Harsh for... Uh, for being so vegetarian, you couldn't order anything on the menu. <laughs> and yet we sat there for like three hours. So the, the boy yeah. just got like a, such a small tip for, for serving for three hours. <laughs> and I wasn't hungry because I got the free medium meal. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, all right, I'm going to tip $5 on this $8 beer because I just feel bad, man. Oh, uh, man. That was hilarious. Yeah, yeah we gotta we, do that again. We gotta do that again. We got we gotta have those moments, but um, and to bring back the good vibes. Seriously, seriously, the Raptors can be fun. I promise you, they can be. They've shown you all season, and then all of a sudden this happened, and everyone's freaking out. You know, you, at this point, it's just sort of like a gut check time. Do you trust the team or not? And does the team trust itself or not? Because if they do, they pull themselves out of this. Everything looks fine. If they don't, well, everything will probably be fine in the first round, and then we'll see for after that. But um. That that uh, when that happens, we'll be there to talk about it. Uh, I'll be back next week on Monday. Peace. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash. Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.